0: What's up everyone and welcome to the Good Nature Podcast, a show about good people dealing with unique challenges and adversity while still doing plenty of good along the way. For anyone who doesn't know, my name's Tony and my unique challenge and adversity is a chronic muscle disease called LGMD2I, which I have to battle and deal with just about every day. Today I talk with Eric Tobin, also known simply as Tobin, a guy who, like myself, used to tour around the country with bands and now helps run one of the top independent alternative rock labels, Hopeless Records. Tobin has battled a condition called spina bifida his entire life and puts a lot of thought and work into managing his condition He's always been kind enough to share some tips with me about his approach and I'm happy to have him on to share them with you as well We'll discuss all things spina bifida awareness month How the music scene gave him a sense of belonging as a kid and plenty more Including how he climbed mount everest last year, which is a pretty badass thing to do even without a disability. Let's get to it To jump into it, um The last time you and myself uh, got to have a conversation like this was in person, in real life, back when we could do things like that, Uh, I want to say probably late January. And if you recall, you know, we were kind of having a conversation about things like our specific conditions, uh, the Mm -hmm. causes we work with, and we're having coffee. And right after we wrapped up, a guy came up and started talking to us a pretty, you know by all rights intimidating looking guy i think he had some face tats and i remember he told us uh, what did he say he said, like you know what i know a lot of dudes that have done time i know people that have taken other people's lives um people that think they're really tough but you guys are the true badasses he was just like you know i apologize for listening in on your conversation but i just want you to know you guys are really tough uh, you're badasses and to me it was definitely one of the nicer things I think a stranger has ever walked up and, and said to me. And I will I will echo his sentiment today. And before we get into it, I will say I think you're you're quite a true badass. And you know, from working in the music industry to dealing with spina bifida, go ahead and just talk people through your general journey so far and, and how those two things kind of have overlapped
1: um well thank you yeah i remember that guy and um he was just sitting there and he turned around and he and, and he definitely looked like he had seen some life which i think is uh um you know is always to be admired and and to him to say that i thought was uh um was fantastic for and, sure yeah uh, my 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 journey so far it's uh, it's interesting because you know I'm, I'm 41 this year and uh uh there's there's more story than I remember. I think that was the big part of getting in my 40s and especially after last year. And I know that I had spoken to you that I went to Nepal and, and attempted to walk to um, uh, base camp and did, did succeed uh, getting to Everest Base Camp, which was awesome. And I think looking back, I, it's it's a year ago today that I started that journey. I landed in Lukla and started walking uh, the 13 days up and back. And um, it's sometimes hard to remember all the things you've done and, and you know, what, that meant, and I think in that moment of doing that, uh, maybe that's the answer. I, I really was concerned about every piece of my health. I was I was incredibly concerned. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's no clean water up here. How will I, uh, you know, simple stuff like how will I use the bathroom and not get an infection? Or hey, if I do have an injury, how will I take care of it and not have to be, you know, wonder if I can get a helicopter out or if some other issue happens? Just the basics that I think any moment struggle with. You know, like hey. There's not a normal Western bathroom situation, but for someone who's a little more challenged in that area, um, it was a uh, a testament to I wanted to be in the best emotional space I could be. And I was so focused on it being this culmination of many years of wanting an adventure like this, many years of wanting to see something so beautiful, so different um, that maybe I had been afraid. And, you know, many times in the, the 14 months of, you know, more, formal training for this i kept thinking maybe i shouldn't do this maybe i can back out and i would procrastinate booking something and when i booked the flights i said well i you know this is definitely happening yeah um you know so what is my story so far i was born with spina bifida uh i have um um uh, which is uh, one of the versions of spina bifida which is a neural tube defect uh, five babies a day are born with this around the world there's over a hundred 65,000 people with spina bifida here in the U.S. It is a uh, quite prevalent um, uh, birth um, defect, and, uh, and I use that word lightly. It's not; it's more of a uh, congenital disorder is probably the better way to put that. And um, you know, and it's a snowflake disorder. Everyone is different. I've been very, very lucky to be mobile. You know my life to be able to walk, even though I've been on crutches many times and canes and walkers, and you know had a back surgery that had me in a wheelchair for a bit. And and I have been incredibly lucky to have the the freedom that I have. And um, um, you know because everyone has it a little differently, you know. And I don't have a shunt, which has been uh, you know uh, very lucky again for me. And, and I have some great friends who uh, who have that and are doing incredible things as well. So, um, but yeah, I have when I was young and I was born in 1979. Um, there wasn't a lot of information on this. It was generally thought of as a pediatric disorder and that you wouldn't live into adulthood and or that you'd have a, a you know, a shorter life than others, you know, into your 30s, your 40s would be the, the, the longest you might go. And um, I think most of my life has been kind of living in that, like, hey, I want to be careful and I want to do good by those that I love and I want to do a great job, but I also want to see as much as I can before that window closes. And I think that's sort of, colored my life. And, and um, Everest was one of many really fun and great adventures that I've gotten to do, but definitely the most challenging. And uh, I've had some great support from family and from friends, and uh, I hope to do many, many more. Uh, hopefully that answers the question.
0: Yeah, definitely. So last week I happened to catch you, you did a panel, um, I believe Kevin Lyman's ADAPT conference. Which I guess for listeners, that's basically, it was kind of a state of the union of the music industry during and, you know, hopefully after COVID whenever that is something that's, you know, even in clear vision. Um, but it was really good. You know, I had to kind of dip in and out, but I, I appreciated. it. I did catch you. You kind of were organically able to bring up that you've dealt with a disability your whole life and kind of call out how the music scene gave you a unique sense of belonging um, that you maybe didn't have previously and I know myself coming from that scene, it's certainly not without its warts historically. Um, but if you can talk a little bit about the positive takeaways you had when it kind of comes to the overlap of growing up with a disability and eventually ending up in that, you know, Van and trailer rock music touring world. Um I guess what was kind of the catalyst of how you were able to find your sense of community with that?
1: Well, I think you just you just said it, Tony, and I, I think that. You know, finding community is it, it, look that that's that's a human challenge. That's everyone, whether they're able-bodied sure. or not. I think finding a community is so important. And what I mentioned in that the Adapt conference that that you got to sit in on is that I, I think a part of why I love working in music, a part of why I like working in entertainment, is that it's it is a truly these art forms of music and television. They they bring sort of moral stories and ideas to those that need them and they'll connect where they need to. And, and I think that, um, for me, especially growing up, you know, I, I, I spent a fair amount of time, um, getting out of grade school and then middle school here in the U S, um, uh, in care, you know, like in the hospital and getting out and this and that. And it wasn't a large group of friends I had. And I think coming into high school, I met some really great kids who were into music and there was this opportunity to sort of, uh, um, be a part of that, because all you had to do was ask, like, what is that you're listening to? And, and can I hear it? And, and then they would say, oh, you haven't heard of this yet? Oh, this or yeah. that. And you'd really you'd start a conversation of, oh, this person knows more than me. How do I know more? How do I go to that first show? How do I belong here? How do I wear the T-shirt? Or, well, maybe I can promote a show. Maybe I can be in a band. And you start to realize that connectivity that... Uh, at first you belong to something and then you're creating something and then you're feeling some type of purpose even on a micro scale in that place and and that was just in my hometown you know growing up and i think that that allowed for me to build some confidence to have that place to exist to be a part of and have some uh, i guess some meaning and and hope over that i could create something that someone else could be a part of and then once you have that uh, even if it's not a great big success just a small success you well i want to build on that and i think that that uh, so much, um, is a huge part of how I'm, where I am at today. I think I'm, I'm lucky to have started in, in that space and continue to work in that space all these years later. I didn't, you know, at the time I wasn't like, I'm going to work in music someday. That wasn't, uh, yeah. that wasn't on the menu, uh, the, or list of things that you could be in my hometown. You know, you were, I played music and I, and I went to school, um, uh, to, you know, do, uh, business and music, uh, business together. And, And there I sort of at at the college started to sort of feel like, oh, this could be more of a career, but still, can I really do this? Do I want to be a producer? And uh, I sort of hit the road with, with some artists thinking, I don't know. I don't know what I really want, but I definitely want to see the world and I definitely want that to be the most important part of my life. That was the only intention, you know, but that came out of that opportunity doesn't come without finding that community. And with community comes that confidence and, and that confidence to communicate and to, find support and win or lose that support is there for you to help you grow
0: for sure i think we both lucked out that also able-bodied or not i think we both toured in like our early maybe mid-20s before because i i think about it i have friends that still tour as i'm sure you do as well in their you know mid late 30s early 40s and i'm just very thankful i did it before i knew Being in a van with a bunch of guys all the time actually kind of (laughs) sucks. Whether or not you're healthy, it it doesn't really matter. Um, But, you know, kind of leaning on that. So you have a pretty, I would assume, I don't want to say high stress job, but in terms of like working with artists all over the world, and then you also have to deal with this very specific physical challenge is there any secret really to balancing the two? I know it's usually kind of a work in progress for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. I never think of it that way. And, and you know, this came up on a conversation over the weekend uh, as well. Um, I guess in a way that because I don't know a different way of living, right? I don't know. I guess I can surmise what other people are going through. I can surmise with that 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 life without a disability is, is like, you know, um, I think that I try not to think of this as something that I, that I, uh, I guess I have to deal with. I think of it, Hey, this is my life and these are the requirements, right? So most people get up, you have to brush your teeth, right? And you, you should eat right so that you, you maintain a healthy weight and you should exercise where you can, if you can to, to, you know, those are the basics. I have some other basics on top of that. And, and I think most of the time I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not, which I, I think is just those things i just mentioned some people are very good at them some people are not and some people are right in the middle i like to think of myself in the middle and um i think where the balance question comes in is when and if i sort of will call it a trip and fall you know hey I, I do have an infection you know that that has spawned from something that someone else may not have to deal with and i might have to go to the hospital and i think emotionally you can have a shutdown mm-hmm. right you can say oh my god i why, how you know i'm so scared or i can't deal with anything right now this is you know and i I've never really faced those issues that come up in a way where I've had to shut down my life. I I really care. Like I mentioned earlier, I I care about doing right by family, friends, colleagues. Uh, I think that there is merit to to wanting more and doing more and and trying to do your best. I think that that's a good example. That's a good place to be. And I I think if that's my intention, my motivation, it's, it's tangled into my ambition, then there are those days where sure. Do I forget, but yeah, I'm not supposed to. And I have to do that thing. Or if, Hey, I do have a problem and I end up in urgent care or the emergency room or, you know, something else comes up. Well, I just have to adjust it. And I, and I, I think one of the, the, the the feelings for me is that I don't want to treat this disability like another job. It's just a life lived well, I'll live as long as I can. And, and I, and I hope that I'm putting words to that in the correct way. Um, but I, I think that it. I don't treat it like. Oh my God! I have to balance my life. Like I want to be healthy, and health is important to me, and living as long as I can is important, so that I can do right by the people I love. If that's my, if that's the order of my day, it's not about balance. It's about meeting my needs, and uh, that's that's why to me it doesn't feel like a, a burden. I mean, there are days where it is a pain in the ass. You know, if I because I can't feel my legs, if I trip over something, is that a pain in the ass? Sure. You know, um, but do I spend Three days wallowing over the, the the trip in the fall. I try not to unless I've broken a leg. But I'm just you know faced with crutches, which will remind me to pick up your damn feet. <laughs> the best I can tell you on that,
0: Tony. hundred percent. No, I, I can relate. There's definitely been the times like in in my own work in life where you know I've I've taken spills in a conference room, and in a way, it kind of gives you the superpower of being able to deal with. The stuff you know, people in our in our type of work stress about every day in terms of like whether it's you know dealing with trouble with a talent or you know like a client or something like that. It, in a way, it, it is almost like a superpower when you're so used to having to navigate these super unique challenges that the regular stuff a lot of times just doesn't seem as difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you you start to you have to parse things out, right? Like I know that if I'm going to go on a hike, there's a thing I have to do. You know, I have to spend extra time on that. I know that I'm going to travel. There's, a, you know, I have to look up, is there an urgent care that I can have on board? You know, there's there's a sort of checklist of things you have to do and, and um, you know, and some of that's personality-based yeah. too. You know, not some people are, I like to consider myself a little by the seat of my pants and I think by most accounts, I probably am. But there are certain precautions that will be important so that I can remain by the seat of my pants. And some people are just, they're not interested in that, you know, and that can be a problem. But it's, so much of this goes beyond even the idea of being differently able or disabled or however is best for, for anyone to consider it is that, you know, it, it's all in what you want. You know, if if you want life to be uh, easy, there might have to be some things on your checklist to help you get there. If you're just not interested in dealing with that, then there will be times when, uh, we will put it in quotes. Life will catch up to you, and you'll have to deal with that, and that will be disappointing for you because the the, the not dealing with stuff kind of falls into your lap, and you have to deal with it. Um, there's there's pros and cons to both, you know, like being also on top of it all the time. Yeah, there's time that I can't spend somewhere else, but I, I I don't think this is totally connected to disability. It's sort of connected to the life thing, you know, deciding how do I want my life to be, and then living that is the best way to balance your own needs, you know, pretending that you want to be somebody else and then not meeting that idea. What well, you're, you're sure to, to, to connect to disaster, you know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't dream or wish or any of those things, but, um, the only way to balance is to decide here's what I want. And the upsides of what I want is greater than the downsides of dealing with what might get in the way.
0: Right. And I guess going back to nutrition, exercise, and I assume even sleep, like there's there's so many common hacks and through lines with each. I'm sure it's not abnormal for you to get asked this question, but with, with spina bifida specifically, are there any go-tos that you tell, you know, patients or maybe parents of patients that reach out? Like, these are things that have helped me. Uh, here's, you know, some ideas, things you should be doing. Because a lot of times with chronic conditions, it's applicable to just everyday life for an able-bodied person as well. So if, if there are any like go-tos that you find yourself sharing a lot that you'd like to throw out here, that'd be great.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, look, one I think is have a great doctor, you know, have, I mean, this is for adult care. And I think we talk about this all the time with the Spina Bifida Association who I work with. I'm on the board of the West Coast. And, um, and I think any of my colleagues in that community would tell you like, have a great doctor internist who you can talk to who's willing to take the time to discuss and especially with spina bifida um, there is a good amount of information but there's nothing to cover all of it not one doctor can have that and I think having a great doctor that can work with you and track your care is so important. You know, like as early as possible. And I wish I had thought of that. When I was a little bit younger along the way, it's it's it took me a little while to figure that out. But you have someone who you can just go see once a year and, and say you go to them and say, well, look, I, I, I looked this information up. Do you think I should go and see the specialist? And the doctor would say, look, it can't hurt to do it. You know, or yes, but don't take it too seriously. Someone you can have that conversation with is so important. Um, you know, as far as the other life hacks, I mean, look, I, I'll be the first to tell you that, uh, um, you know, eat right, but don't eat so, in quotes, right that you don't have any enjoyment. In yeah. it. You know, my, my brother who has been visiting with me is we're, we're laughing the day it because it'll, the food I make is, is, is way too much butter, way too much salt in it. But I, you know, but I'm not trying to over it. I try to monitor what that is. I try to stay uh, eating three times a day. And, and, you know, cause you want to enjoy the things you're up to, you know, like exercise is hard yeah. uh, if you don't enjoy it. But I, I like, you know, when I can going for my version of a hike, which is slow, you know, but it's, it's good. I get that exercise. I have a no, you know, if I was in the room with a with an athlete, that it, it'd be laughable. But for me, it's just I do what I can, and I try to do it as regular as I can. Uh, and I think that's that routine is super important. But my best advice for anybody is have a doctor that can talk to you about things that hey, I have a billing question, that can help you out, or you know, that can put you in touch with a specialist that they trust and they know. Um, uh, and this is totally subjective, and it's going to be different for everyone. You know, having the most cutting edge doctor the most cutting edge place I do think would be amazing if you can do it. Not everybody's gonna have that access, right? You know, but I do think having a great doctor who can see you on a moment's notice, who will fit you in, who will, you know, talk to you when you need it, it's in the last decade that has saved me more times than you know. And especially when it comes to more even specifically like I have a podiatrist who for people like myself, you know, foot care uh, so important. And look, he'll fit me in any time and he'll connect me with people that I need to. And he'll, we have such a rapport that like, look, you know, your feet do this or try this. And that's been so invaluable to have that, you know, and especially when, look, I've got seven doctors that I have to be able to see. And uh, that's having that, that one internist and that one, you know, podiatrist that are, that are so easy to deal with that I can email her and i be like, no problem, here you go that's so important.
0: Yeah. And it's not easy. I think like that's, it's worth noting that especially with rare conditions, it can take a lot of trial and error. So Mm -hmm. on behalf of the community of the disease you're dealing with, like, I appreciate you've done so much diligence and I'm sure you share so much information for me. I've gone through things like I was misdiagnosed for a year and a half by a, Mm -hmm. a highly recommended neurologist. I actually had a doctor, here in LA too, this wasn't like in the deep South or something. I had a doctor tell me just like, well, I think you just got to leave it up to God. And that's the last thing you want to hear from a medical professional. Oh.
1: <laughs> you definitely don't want to hear that. I, I actually uh, recently uh, had to go get a uh, a very quick blood work done for for a surgery I was doing. This is about a year ago. I just needed to fix uh, a toe and took the blood work. And he was a much older gentleman and he said to me uh, after he's taken my blood, he pulled the syringe out of his pocket it was incredible to me And he he looked at me and he said i don't know why god punishes some people uh like yourself but he just does and i'm like oh my god take take my blood soon i gotta get out of here um yeah i mean look i think that's probably the other piece of advice you gotta give to people is that um you know medicine is science but you know the people are people you know and everyone is going to be different and, and, and you know and i think that sometimes we get we're like we just want answers You know, everybody wants answers. I mean, of course, when you're trying to get diagnosed, Tony, I mean, what is going on? You want to get those answers as soon as you can. But at the end of the day, these are not robots; these are people. There's been such amazing changes in in the medical field when it comes to sharing information and you know being connected to a medical ID, and that that that's there. But a lot of times, it's like you want an answer mixed with a a cure at the same time uh, and, I, and not everybody's phrasing it that way, but you're like, can you just give me the answer and tell me yeah. what to do so I can go do it and get on with my life. And, um, these are people at the end of the day, you know, they've studied, they've done a great thing, but they're not, they are not robots. And I think it's sometimes so easy to get lost in the procrastination Is I can't believe that person said that when it's just like, Hey, this is just not the right situation for me. I have to be prepared for some delays and hope that I find the place that's going to help me. And look, I don't, some people might hear that and say, well, you know, screw you, you're not going through this really intense moment or a parent who's like, look, I just want it to be okay for my kid. Like you, I need answers right now. And that that anxiety that's fueling that already block to the human being to the who's trying to help you out. Uh, that's challenging. I think navigating that medical world, it, it, you, you have to go in with a fair amount of patience and acceptance for that. There is There, there are some answers Probably not all the answers. There may never be, and there may might be more. Um, how do you you, know, you asked about balance? How do I balance what my prognosis is and what I'm doing in life? Um, it's hard because there, like I mentioned, there are people that have it uh, that are that are dealing with much more than myself. Uh, maybe even you know both of us. That this is a harder conversation, and those answers are necessary right this moment. Um, it's daunting. Yeah it's super daunting. And I, and I, 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 share all this, not because they are answers, but they're more just my own personal experience. Cause I think that everybody, again, it comes down to what is your temperament? What is your attitude? What is your life experience been? And what would make you feel better? Um, you know, I can only offer that for me, having the opportunity to be able to call someone and know that maybe they don't have all the answers, but they're willing to, for me to say, well, could I see this specialist? No problem. Here you go, go talk to them, go see what that's like. And then, you know, for me, it's up, to my
0: follow-up at that point. So talking about the music biz, I guess for a minute here, um, like I said, you're you're armed with a unique perspective and some unique skills to deal with a, a very, probably the most challenging time, I would assume, since you've been in the music business and since I've been in entertainment in general. But I guess, you know, I brought up the ADAPT conference earlier. What are you most optimistic about in that field, in, you know, whatever a, post-COVID world looks like? What is there to be excited about there?
1: I mean, I, I said it a little bit in an ADAPT conference as well. Um, you know, for so long, especially in the space I've been in, it was, you know, make records tour, mm-hmm. make albums tour, you know, and that touring, you know, if, if you tour it, the people will come. And, and in a lot of cases, it, it did work that way. You know, you had the right artist and the right, uh, look and feel, and, and it would start to connect. I think the mystery was that it was already connecting outside of the rooms before they were there. The touring was just reiterating how great someone already felt about it. you know. And I think that this is the first time in my career where I can go to an artist and say, it's time to create more, it's time to be more entertaining where your fans are, which is truly online through the many different platforms that are available and no one can say to me, Oh, I'm just so tired after tour. We'll be on tour soon. We'll make content there. There is no tour. And I don't expect to see it back for um, some time. And I think that there's this great shift of people, not only creating great music, but looking and saying, what is my voice? What is my opinion? What is my message? And then crafting a world around that. I think more than ever fans need to know where their heroes stand and they need to sort of align their own opinions around that because they need it. And in a lot of ways where this is gonna be, I think that those that figure out that that's the most important thing will come out on the other side as a new breed of much stronger artists that you know that old paint-by-numbers probably won't matter as much because they'll be able to do whether they do three dates or 100 dates or whatever else it is on the road. They'll have real fans out there that want to go and see them and that have discovered and spent a lot of time with them and that this art is important again and not just a, a commodity. It, it never was that, but I think in some ways it was heading in that direction, especially for the Space in, which is sort of all you know, teen and lifestyle uh, you know type artists.
0: So. At the time of recording this, it's late October. um, And I believe it's Spina Bifida Awareness Month.
1: It is. That is correct. It's
0: tough, man. I know you've probably done quite a bit around it already this month. And, you know, you're getting to speak on a little bit more now. But awareness is such a tricky thing because you always have to figure out what else you're trying to accomplish because there's a huge benefit from more people understanding and even just knowing about your specific rare condition. But you always have to kind of think of like, well, is the end goal raising funds to, you know, get more resources for families? So I guess I just want to hear like, what do you feel pretty good about that was accomplished and what you got to contribute to a awareness month?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, um, you are right, and I think that it's it's especially you know, like this when all the physical stuff is gone. And what are we doing? What are we trying to to do? And, and Awareness Month for me was, um, look, I want to help raise funds. I think that the the work we're doing at the in um, DC uh, with advocacy, you know, working to create the National Spina Bifida Registry, the collaborative care networks, the clinical care guidelines that we're creating. I mean look, like I said, I, I've been pretty lucky. And, you know, there are days where, hey, I, I've, I've skipped a, I had to move a specialist appointment or, hey, in a year like this, I didn't want to go to the hospital because of other fears. You know, I didn't go, but I, I, I didn't maybe need it as much. But there are people who do need answers, you know, who do want that feedback. And I think what Spina Bifida Association is doing is so important to at least creating guidelines because it's such an under-researched. And, it, and, it, and it's interesting because, you know, spina bifida is four times as many people suffer from that as cystic fibrosis yet i think cystic fibrosis is it's a
0: household name you know
1: 20 million it's a yeah because there's a cure to it and i think with with spina bifida there is there is no cure to it you're born this way there's only an opportunity to live a better life and that's through access to uh great care great care is affordable health care great care is uh care that comes with some basic answers like hey over 20 years statistically speaking people with spina bifida suffer from sleep apnea What's been found out with the ver- uh, the National Spina Bifida Registry, which is in itself in its infancy in, in the last 10 years, uh, which is which is what's funded by the CDC and why we've been in D.C. trying to raise uh, we have $6 million appropriate, which is a drop in the bucket nationally. Just trying to get them to $8 million has been a challenge. Um, but that type of research allows for there to be an answer when someone says, my child is suffering who has spina bifida. This is going on. Oh, well, Here's some research we had done, and that 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 will be the difference between someone living their best life and a parent, because it's not just the kid or the adult; it's the the mm-hmm. spouse, the parent, the brother, the sister. Um, that, to me, is, is is just as someone who, again, lucky, but who's gone to many doctors and had. I made a joke earlier. I, I went to a hospital once in New York with my brother, and they asked me when did I catch this, and yeah. I had to make a joke. It's like I caught it at a public pool, and the woman looked at me cross-eyed, like, yeah you're born with it. And, you know, that's not necessarily that person's fault. Like I said, it's a person, but this research is so important. These urological guidelines. I mean, I don't expect everyone to know on this podcast what, what, you know, having to use a catheter is, whether that's permanent or semi-permanent or, you know, self, self self-use and all of that. It's understanding that you have to have regular checkups with with the urology department that that's all been created by spina bifida association and raising money to create answers is so important to me and i think especially at a time where there's been this conversation about the end of pre-existing condition care and health care you know like that's probably pretty easy to someone's in there who hasn't had any children and and is healthy but look i I have good health insurance which i generously get through my my job, but I'm still spending over $6,000 a year on my healthcare to meet my out-of-pocket max on top of whatever other first aid kit and everything else I'm buying or people who have the Medicaid or MedCal or whatever else that is surprisingly, it can be good, it can be bad, there could be wait and there's things they need they can't get. Like It's the reason I, I i get so passionate about this because i want to raise the funds to help build awareness for this especially since it's so large especially since five babies a day are born with it and that those those people those soon-to-be adults in a few years those parents with children they need answers they need that support so they can have the best life they can um i you know we did our virtual walk the other day which was nice uh was world spina bifida day i'm going to be hiking um the trail, I was going to do Mount Wilson, but of course with the wildfires here, which are their own disaster, I had to move on to this Monte Arito Trail, which is 3,000 feet up and 3,000 feet back, and I will do it over two days with a friend, and I'm, I'm raising funds for Spina Bifida Awareness Month by doing something that I enjoy and can do, which is hiking, and I had a goal of $5,000, and I'm just 700 bucks away from it right now, and I feel good about that, and I feel good that those funds are going to be used in a meaningful way that... They may not affect me today, but it's not really what it's about, Tony. It's about the opportunity for it to affect somebody else in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You know, I would happily raise money all year long for
0: that goal. Definitely. So I guess in in wrapping up here, uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Where can people contribute to either this specific campaign or to the Spina Bifida Foundation year round?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, if you want to, you can always visit um, my Instagram. I have a link in my bio right now. I'm, I'm preparing. I just put up a link the other day. It's very easy. at etobin, etobin, E-T-O-B-I-N, twice. And, uh, you know, I'll always post there what I'm, what I'm up to. I post a lot of pictures of photography, but when it is important like this, I'll make a post. There's a link there to uh, click and donate. I will be leaving that up for the rest of the year. You know, but there is always the Spina Bifida Association uh, is uh, just org. All of the information on what is spina bifida, living with spina bifida, the resources and education that have been uh, brought forth with these donations and work by the great staff in BC. Um, you can always head there, uh, org, And then they of course have social media as well and donate anytime, uh, look at what we're up to. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the best way to uh, get
0: involved. Sounds good. Lastly, who's an artist you're really excited about, either that you're working with or just you think you'd like more people to know about?
1: I mean, there's so many great artists that, uh, in general, right now, and we have so we're, we're working with some amazing ones at Hopeless, and uh, I would uh, would love to go down the whole list. So if if you have a chance, go to hopelessrecords.com, see what we're working on. But if if I had to pick one out, we just started working with this. Uh, amazing young guy, Dwayne. Oh, he's great. Um, yeah. He's absolutely fantastic. We're, we're in the early days here with him. And, uh, I think he's an, uh, an inspired human being and, uh, uh, I'll leave it up to everyone to go take a listen and, and make their decision. But I, I, uh, I think if you ever get a chance to see him live, it is something. He is incredible.
0: Well, add that to the list of people I look forward to, hopefully, seeing live, uh, in person, uh, including yourself. Um, so thanks again, Tobin. This has been awesome.
1: Yeah. Anytime, Tony, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks again to Tobin for joining. Thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to like subscribe, whatever, and maybe share with someone who might find this helpful, that would be great until then just stay good.